ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. And we're back. Hello there. This is Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, ready for another episode of 1% Better. Hopefully you joined us on our debut episode last week. Uh, Certainly, there was a lot to talk about. There's been a few things going on with the Indianapolis Colts. But as we move forward, uh, the topics change a little bit, but certainly the Andrew Luck story still simmering just beneath the surface. Uh, Zach, yesterday, or Sunday, as we're recording this on on Monday, uh, Monday morning, uh, we, we certainly had an opportunity to sort of reflect on the weekend's events. Uh, the Colts reduced their roster to 53 men. That's always a big day in the NFL. Uh, there have been some, some machinations right. with the roster, uh, some quarterback-related news, and certainly, as I mentioned, Andrew Luck, yeah, that happened. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's first look back a little bit. Uh, I mentioned Andrew Luck. And Zach, you know, I think your story today is very timely, uh, just sort of, I think, putting a bow on all of this stuff that happened. And, and they're trying to move forward, right? I mean, the, the Colts have a game in six days in Los Angeles. I mean, it's kind of an important thing, right? I mean, that's the whole reason they do this, right, to go play games. So walk us through, Zach, what you learned and and what your takeaways are now that we're a week or in a couple of days removed from uh, that fateful Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium with Andrew Luck. Uh, what'd you find out? Yeah, the, the ripples of this stunning retirement really have have lingered <laughs> for eight days. And yeah, the team's moved on, and yeah, the building's moved on, but it, it shook them. It absolutely shook them last Saturday night. I remember seeing the faces of some staff members, and they were just white, like they'd seen a ghost. Um, and there were some staff members the following day that had to basically spend their day like purging Andrew Luck from the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, in terms of like, think of all the banners you see outside the stadium and the billboards you see around town and the media guides and everything with this guy's face on it. In one fell swoop, the, the single greatest marketing tool this team had was gone. Um, and that's not even the football side of it. But, you know, I thought we had a really good talk with, with Frank Reich and Chris Ballard yesterday. And you know Chris. I mean, Chris does not really blink in these situations as big as this was and this is as big of a curveball as you can get as a general manager two weeks before the opener your quarterback walks away with no real um heads up i mean they had a week but i don't think this was something that lingered longer than that um in in ballard said look it didn't matter the train keeps moving either way you find either you find a way to fix the problem or it'll swallow you up and that's his mindset, and that's his mindset since he found out that Andrew Luck was not going to be a starting quarterback. And I think that's sort of a reminder, and you're around the, the locker room, and we see guys come and go every week, right? I mean, this is a this is a weird business where jobs are very, very fleeting, but the, the train just keeps going. Like the Colts had practice last week, and they have a game on Sunday, like you mentioned, against a really good Chargers team. And, and Ballard's basically just stiff upper lip in this and saying, look, we don't, we don't make excuses. He's not here. We got to win. Um, but it took them a couple days, believe me, inside the building. This team was shaken up. And I talked to some players who were like, look, man, like, yeah, it runs through my mind. Like, I can't believe he's not here. But it's the NFL, and it goes on, and, and this team's not going to be sitting here in week four saying, you know, I wish Andrew Luck was here. They can't think like that. It's, it's going to impact their play. So, Really fascinating to see up close how this team handles the sudden jarring 
retirement news that really rocked the entire league last week. And so a, a related, I guess, development is look, the Colts have to go out there and, and field the team and, and they have to have a sufficient quarterback situation, right? So they're dealing with that. And Jacoby Brissett, they're very confident in him. I think they have good reason to be, but they, he's the only quarterback on the roster as we are recording this. I think that's getting ready to change, but I think it's it's a very rare situation in the NFL where there's literally one quarterback really on amazing. the roster. It's like, how did this happen? So here the Colts are, uh, as you said, you know, five, six days out from the season opener, literally interviewing quarterbacks. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, you know, a, a, an accounting firm, you know, two weeks before tax day and they're trying to f- find a CPA, right? I mean, it's like, oh, really? So that's where they're at right now. I think there's been lots of, Names thrown around. We don't have to get into all of those. Uh, there certainly are a fair number of you know backup quality quarterbacks on the on the market. But uh, Zach, I'll let you chime in on this. Uh, I actually think it sounds like they're thinking in the right terms. I think veteran backup who potentially, I guess, could be their solution for seventeen weeks and not just two weeks and until Chad Kelly gets back. That sounds like it could be one of their options. Uh, Chris Ballard said they're. They're considering both avenues, right? But but certainly they're they're looking at right. Brian Hoyer. And I, I just think I'll let you give me your opinion. I think that with Jacoby Brissett in here, uh, you know, somewhat of a young starter, a guy who's played a little bit, but certainly not an Andrew Luck level of experience there. I actually think the veteran backup is probably an ideal situation. Um, I think that gives them a chance to the kind of that that gives him a chance to whoever this quarterback ends up being you know, sort of helping Jacoby Brissett through this and I think he could use that I think he could benefit from that you had the dynamics of the quarterback room they changed just a little bit okay when number 12 walks out the door so what are your thoughts on that uh what would you prefer to see happen here what do you think will happen yeah boy things have changed when you're sitting around thinking when is Chad Kelly coming back because we God. need him I mean that's that's where this team's at we would have laughed if we said that in May or June, but that's where we're at. Um, and, and and that's not a knock on Chad Kelly. The guy was fantastic in the preseason. He deserves to be the backup, in my opinion. The problem is he can't play in weeks one or two. He can play in week three. I think a Brian Hoyer-type signing is perfect. You need a guy that won't panic if he does have to go into a game. And the one thing that's that's really important to mention here, and this was asked to Frank Reich yesterday, is, yeah, I mean, this guy's not going to have many practices. Obviously, it's going to be a trimmed-down playbook if he does see action in the event Jacoby suffers an injury. But um, Frank Reich knows what to do with these quarterbacks, and I wouldn't put it past him to be able to get a backup ready to go with a limited playbook in the event he has to go in there. So, um, look, they don't want this to, to come to this. They, they want Jacoby Brissett to take every snap. But... Um, they, you know, I was told last week, look, they're not going to panic on this. They're not going to just sign the first guy they bring in. They're not going to just fi- sign the biggest name they can find at quarterback. They worked out Brock Osweiler and Brandon Whedon last week. There was a bunch of guys that hit the waiver wire. Now the Colts were pretty far down on the list. Um, didn't make a move over the weekend. You know, they're taking their time with this, and they're not going to panic. They've got money, and if they need to spend a little bit extra to get the right guy to maybe stay for the entire 2019 season, I think that's totally feasible. It wouldn't stun me if they keep three quarterbacks on the roster for most of the year if Chad Kelly does come back and and play a role in their long-term plans. And I think he will. 
Um, but it's really we're, – we're losing days here. I mean, it's Monday. This team plays Sunday, and you got to have a backup quarterback that's eligible to play. Right now they don't. There's always Phillip Walker, but what we saw from the from the preseason, he can't play. You can't play Phillip Walker. So um, they'll sign someone this week. The sooner the better, because the sooner the better he can get into the playbook and get ready to go. But um, all eyes on number seven. It was weird seeing him out there yesterday. Essentially, the only healthy quarterback they have on the fifty-three man roster. Yeah, just amazing. <laughs> Let, let's let's talk about Jacoby just a little bit. Um, so. You know, I think we did this a little last week, but it's a certainly a, a topic that is worth more exploration. Uh, I, I would say this. Uh, I think Jacoby is the perfect guy for this situation. I'm not saying the perfect player. We'll see. He's in, he's imperfect in some ways. but No, that's a good point. You yeah, make. but I think he's the perfect guy. His temperament is, is kind of awesome, actually, because I, I love Jacoby just as, just as a guy because he's – he he. First of all, just look how he handles the media, right? Like, he will he will clap back on us, like in in the nicest possible way. <laughs> but he clapped. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ask bad questions. I'm all for that, man. You know me and the talk about question. I, I'm trying to get rid of that. <laughs> He's uh, he, but I I think it it's a it's a little bit of a window into his personality, and I think your personality comes out in the huddle and on the field and. And when you're in sort of adverse situations, and he certainly is not a dare in the headlights. He's not a guy who's phased seemingly by anything. He wasn't phased by what they asked him to do two years ago, which was ridiculous, okay, and totally, mm-hmm. totally Im- an impossible situation. So I just think Jacoby, coupled with Frank Reich's demeanor, I think that's a great combination because those two guys, they have something in common there, which is they're sort of cool under pressure and nothing's too big for them. And I think that's a great combination because what they need right now is they need stability. They need someone to take control and they need someone to just be able to to handle the pressure that's going to come from this. I mean, there's still a lot of pressure on this team to go out and perform. They've got a good roster. And I, I mean, just what are your observations of Jacoby that way? And and do you think, how much do you think that'll help him? Put it that way. That's a really good point because you've been around this league a long time there's a lot of times where backups kind of just are invisible I mean like when Scott Tolzien was Lux backup you never talked to him you never heard from him you never saw him um I never got the sense with Jacoby Brissett that he was just a backup it just I just never had that vibe I mean last year in the locker room he was absolutely a respected member of the team I mean this is a guy that called and got his guys together for that players only meeting how many backups do that um, he's respected by the offensive line, respected by the receivers. He's close friends with some of these guys, Anthony Walker, Eric Ebron. I mean, these guys are close friends. Um, and you never got the vibe that he was just a guy that was on standing on the sidelines. I mean, he was, he was jumping in those defensive celebration pictures. I mean, he was one of the guys and in a way that most backup quarterbacks aren't. And so now that all of a sudden this is thrust on him, I feel like this is as smooth as a transition as any team in the league could make right now under these circumstances. I really believe that. A couple layers into that. One is Frank. He's done this as a player. He's done this as a coach. He, he tutored Nick Foles a couple of years ago and took him from basically a guy that was ready to walk away from football to the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Frank was in his corner every step of the way for that. And now you've got a guy in Jacoby who's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment, who has the conviction in his own ability to handle things. I mean, and Ballard said it best yesterday. He said, look, 
Jacoby Brissett will not flinch. He will not flinch. Um, so it's not like the Colts are moving on and, and seeing if Jacoby Brissett is the guy. They're not like, maybe we'll give him a couple games and see if he's a starter. No, this is the guy. They're going to probably try and work a long-term contract extension in, in the next couple months. Um, so it's not a temporary thing. This is their answer. That's what Frank Wright called it yesterday. This is He's, he's the man. He's our answer. Um, and we're going to see what Jacoby Brissett's made of. But I think there are so many things stacked in his favor when you talk about the offensive line, when you talk about Marlon Mack, when you talk about the weapons at wide receiver and tight end, when you talk about the playmakers on defense, they're going to give the offense a chance. And most of all, Frank Reich, this quarterback whisperer that's done it so well for so long with so many different quarterbacks, um, I just feel like this is Jacoby Brissett's moment. And it's not going to be too much of a step up for him because he's been such an integral part of this team since the moment he got here a couple of years ago. Uh, you mentioned something important there that I think is worth sort of uh, exploring a little more. The The whole issue of uh, Jacoby's future, well, the quarterback future in general, right? I mean, the, the Colts have not really had to face this kind of situation. And I wrote a story about this last week. They haven't faced this situation in like two decades where – the, it's, it's unbelievable. They don't know the future of their quarterback situation. I mean, like, it's the only franchise in football that can say that, up to and including the Patriots, <laughs> okay? They don't know the future of their quarterback situation for the first time since the late 90s, I guess. I mean, like, what is that? So, so Well, they just made a move, Stephen. Did they? Just Breaking news. Um, Brian Hoyer, three-year deal. There you go. $12 million. I like it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and, it really does make sense. Okay, so so let's let's dig into that. So that my goodness, talk about timing. So here's what I'd say to that. Uh, number one, I've always really went on record and said that's the one that makes sense, or that or that type of move made sense. The other thing is, uh, I, the three year deal is interesting because they know because of what I just said, they don't have sort of a a, a long term solution at quarterback they need to figure they, they have to figure out what they're going to do in the long term so it gives them at least a, a, a secure backup situation going forward at least that now yeah. the, the alternatives with Jacoby Brissett there's a couple of them uh they can I wrote this last week try to summarize their options they do have the option right now of signing Jacoby to a long-term deal and I think that's something they will talk about it's not off the table the reason you do it now because a lot of people would sort of raise their eyebrows at that, say, oh, well, why don't you let it play out? We don't know anything about this guy. Well, if he goes out and he has a hell of a season, well, guess what it's going to cost you then? A lot more. That's right. number one. Right. And and a related issue is Jacoby Brissett's only making $2 million this year because he's on a rookie contract and he's a third-round pick. So you, you kind of help him out, put some money in his pocket now, but at the same time sort of give yourself options in the long term, uh, keep him on board and continue maybe to, to access the draft or what other avenues you want to access to, to continue building the quarterback room. But at least you know you have Jacoby and he's a viable option. So that's one option. The other is to let this thing play out and just franchise him next year. They can use the franchise tag. If you do that, uh, it's, it's a short-term solution. But it buys them time. Yeah. So they have, and it's costly. But yeah, yeah it keeps them. But here. but they have, so they have some options. But I, I think they have to be thinking about their options now. It doesn't mean they have to act, but they have to be thinking about their options now. I mean, look, they're not going to have the number one overall pick. I'm pretty 
I feel pretty safe in saying that. I think the Dolphins are doing everything in their power to ensure that they do that, right? So <laughs> they're not going to have the number one pick. They're not getting Tua. They're not going to be in range probably for the top two or three quarterbacks, depending on how they play. They have a good team. Right. They're not, they're not, that's not on their mind no. right now is thinking quarterback for next year. They're thinking win this yeah. year. Believe it. Believe it or not, that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And so, so I like the Hoyer move. Uh, but let's, on that note though, when you say they're thinking about winning this year, let's talk about the roster they do have because this yeah. past weekend, obviously they finalized, they finalized things, uh, got to 53, made the roster cuts, painful decisions, obviously you have to end dreams and, and break hearts and that's terrible. But uh, I asked Frank Reich yesterday, when you looked up at the depth chart up on the wall, they keep this board uh, in the in the draft room or in, and I think in the coach and GM's office, uh, they keep this board yeah. up on the wall for the listeners where they, they keep the roster, the, the depth chart sort of uh, up in full view and they move, you know, sort of movable pieces. So, you, you know, guys go and they come, they come and they go. So as they were looking at it the other night after final cuts on Saturday night, Frank Reich said, you know, he sat back and he told Chris, he said, you know what, <laughs> that looks pretty good. And he had this like smile on his face, almost like a devilish grin, like, you know what? They can sleep on us if they want. Like, I don't know if he's right, but I, I tell you what, they have a supreme confidence. Uh, what are your takeaways of the roster? Do you agree that it looks pretty good? Yeah, so this is this is exactly what Frank said when you asked him that. He said he was sitting in Chris's office late Saturday night looking at the two deep. And uh, he said, let's just say that I had a big smile on my face sitting there looking at that as Chris was kind of moving the pieces around saying, boom, this is it. I was just saying, this looks pretty good. I mean, this looks pretty good right now. Um, the biggest difference this year with cuts is there was no surprises. This, this team is not in a, in a situation where they have to go make a bold move, which they have the last couple of years, including going to get Jacoby Brissett two years ago. They, they like their team. They like the depth, which has improved it tremendously. And there were no huge decisions to make. There, were, no, there was definitely competitions, for sure. But this is a team that's, that's really set. I mean, they, they were, there, was, there was no huge surprises. Maybe the biggest one is Hale Hinches, the rookie undrafted tight end, making it um, over Ross Travis. But I always thought, you know, as the weeks passed, I thought that Hale – Henches had a much more complete body of work than Ross Travis in the last month or so. And that just proves, like, if you go out and you earn it, you get the spot. Um, they're still looking. I think they're still looking on the offensive line. They just made a move at quarterback. So it's not completely set. And as you know, the things will change as the season rolls on and injuries happen. But this was a pretty easy roster to predict, and that's, that's a compliment to how much talent they stacked on there. Um, the biggest question mark will be it's starting quarterback, how Jacoby Brissett handles but where, I mean, Stephen, look at this roster. Where are your question marks besides quarterback? Where, where are the weaknesses? It's hard to find some, and that's looking at it objectively. Yeah, I mean, look, we can talk about the offensive line depth, and it's not good. Okay, let's be clear. Yeah, but, but the top five are really right. Good. Exactly. So it's like, but that, that's almost like a nitpick. I feel like, right? I mean, and to be honest with yeah. you, go find me a stud backup offensive tackle on any team. <laughs> Okay, because I assure you, you won't there, find one. There's no such thing because he'd be a starter somewhere because it's such a hard position. Okay, look at the value. Look at the look at what teams are assigning the value teams are assigning right now to that position. For example, look what happened over the weekend. So Houston, and we can get we can get to Houston in a minute because I think there's lots to talk about there, and it directly impacts the Colts. But before we do that, let's just talk generally. 
about offensive line. Houston sends half their freaking future draft to Miami to get to get oh Laramie goodness. Tunzel and you know and, and a wide receiver Kenny Stills. Okay, great. I mean, I like both players, but I mean, like, come on, right? So. I just tell you, I think the fact that the Colts have a five-man unit there that they feel absolutely like tickled about is is a great, great victory. And 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 again, if Andrew Luck would have had this, okay, for the previous six or seven years, we'd be having a different conversation today, right? So yeah, we Hoyer wouldn't be right talking about Brian Hoyer, that's for sure. But but yeah, they I love this roster. I, I will tell you, I really think they're loaded. And I, you talk about being objective. Sometimes that gets hard, right? Because we get to know these guys and we see them every day and they're the team that we know better than any other. So you have to guard against that. And I am always sort of aware of that, right? But I I find it hard to step back and find areas of real weakness. I'm not saying they have the best unit up and down the roster, but there certainly aren't a lot of weaknesses. Look, I thought a weakness last year was linebacker. And then they drafted Darius Leonard, and they made Anthony Walker into a player. So that's not a yeah, weakness. Yeah, I mean, don't sleep on Anthony Walker, too. No, right, right. So that's not a weakness now, right? Uh, they Maybe safety was a little bit of an issue last year because of injuries. But then they went and drafted Kari Willis. And so now they've got a third safety who they think is a future starter there. And their two starters are healthy in Hooker and Gather. So that's not a weakness. Wide receiver was definitely a weakness last year. Well, guess what? <laughs> They've got three new guys out of the six on the roster currently. So it totally transformed that position. So I don't see a lot of weaknesses. I really don't. Um, and, wh- and and another element of this is is not just talent. Is like, okay, think about the curveballs this team's thrown, been thrown the last 15 months. I mean, not just Bauer, but like think about the players. I mean – Josh McDaniels signs up to come to coach, and then he bails, right? And the players are jarred. I mean, I remember one guy told me after that day, like, we got snaked. I mean, they were yeah. they were offended. They were they were pissed off. And then you start one and five, and then you come back from that. And then your quarterback walks away 15 days before the season opener. And then you got to move on from that. So, you know, and, and, and Ballard always says this, right? Things are going to get hard during the season. It never goes how you want it to go. Guys are going to get hurt. You're going to lose games you shouldn't lose. An NFL season is going to be full of these curveballs, and they've dealt with huge ones the last 12, 15 months. He's like, you know, Ballard always says, we want guys who can handle that, who can deal with that. I think the Colts have the right DNA in this locker room that have handled tough situations like this. You know, Eric Ebron was talking about this yesterday, and, and, and that's, you know, that psyche that you can have, that unbreakable sort of mantra, that, that plays dividends in November and December, and if they see January – and that's a huge part of this. They've got they've got a young roster, but they've got a lot of guys who have seen a lot. I mean, one and five last year to ten and six was not an accident. It was not like they just saw some bad quarterbacks. I mean, they they really came together and played some good football. And they've got the right guy leading this team. I thought, you know, Stephen, I thought last week when we saw Frank Reich on Monday morning and he came in here and gave that speech, I thought that was twenty minutes of this is why he's the right guy for this job in this moment. Um, and I think the fans saw that, and I think you saw that with Chris Ballard a year ago after Mc, the McDaniels fiasco. And I think you're starting to see this team weather these storms 
Now we're going to see if they can weather the biggest one of all, but this is not something new. This is not that uncomfortable for them to be in this situation where, one, they're overlooked, and two, things have not gone their way. Yeah, and I actually think they thrive, honestly, in these situations that almost prefer them, I should say, where last year, remember, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, I think there were some people who who, who thought the Colts had potential going into last season, but then there were a lot of people who, who totally dismissed them, right? You know, this unproven coach, uh, is the quarterback healthy, you know, being the the quarterback Andrew Luck, uh, so many questions, yeah. right? And and then they start one and five, and and everybody buries them. And so, what did Frank Reich do all last season? He talked about, you know, number thirty two, and all that was was I believe USA Today predicting them to have the worst record in the NFL. It was a stupid prediction. Okay, let's be honest, right? Uh, and they were like the only ones making that prediction. Nevertheless, they did make the prediction, and they gave Frank Reich something to work with, and. He told those guys, you know, on day one training camp, look, this is what they think of you. They think you're a joke. You're a joke. That's what they think mm-hmm. of you. And and I know it's the it's the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> I, I get that. And you you would probably even Frank admitted, like, yeah, we probably were a little corny. We were never gonna be thirty second. Right. But, he knew it. You know, However, that being said, yeah. I thought what was interesting about it was he still found a way to get that message to resonate. And that's the hard part because players have heard every message in the book. Okay. They've heard it right. from Pop Warner to high school to college. They've heard every every one for the Gipper speech that you can imagine. Okay. And every motivation tool, they've seen it. They've had all kinds of coaches uh, among 53 guys. They've heard it all. And yet, in spite of all of that, somehow, I don't think that the message was all that creative. It wasn't. I just told you it was kind of ridiculous. But... It's not the message, it's the messenger. And I think Frank Reich has a way of getting it across where, and look, this podcast is called 1% Better. Like the whole notion that just get 1% better every day is the hokiest thing ever, okay? That's, mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of making fun of him with the name of the podcast, right? But let's be honest. However, he gets these guys to buy into it and that's where he's really good. And that's the hard part. You don't turn one and five to 10 and six unless they're buying in. It just doesn't yeah. happen. There's no question about it. And it makes it a little easier to buy in, Zach, when, when you have talent, though. So let's get a little more specific about the roster. I, I really like – we can talk about the offensive line, but, I mean, I think that has that speaks for itself. We saw what they did last year. Uh, I am very interested to see what they do with these offensive skill positions. I am just really intrigued by what they have, for example, at wide receiver. I think people are underestimating that group. They know about T.Y. Hilton – Devin Funches doesn't. Ex- they're gonna know. They're gonna know about Paris yeah. Campbell pretty soon. Listen, Devin Funches doesn't excite people, and then the rest of those guys, no one really knows anything about nationally. But I think we've gotten some clues. Um, so tell me exactly. You, you mentioned the guy I want to talk about. Uh, tell me about Paris Campbell. Tell me what you expect there, and just what you like about that group. Yeah. So I mean, this is a guy that we saw practice the last day that Andrew Luck practiced back on July 30th. Mm. And he dominated, if you remember that practice. I mean, he was running one-on-ones and he was making Colts cornerbacks look like they were me out there. I mean, he was just torching them. Then the hamstring. We didn't see him for a month. And you start to wonder, and Frank Wright talks about how he's going to be behind the eight ball and doesn't know the playbook. And he's just going to be a rookie playing catch-up the first month of the season. Then he goes out there in Cincinnati, this meaningless preseason game, and dominates. I mean, he had three catches, but you could just tell. This dude was for real. So um, 
he's going to offer them an element they haven't had. I mean, Colts have been the last couple of years pretty low in the league in yards after catch, and Paris Campbell's going to change that. Another guy I'm really excited about is, is Deion Kane. This is a guy who has been ahead of the curve in terms of his recovery with this ACL that he suffered last year in August every step of the way. He was ahead of the curve in, in March. He was ahead of it in June. He was ahead of it in training camp. He's ahead of it now, and he's an NFL receiver, and he's good. Uh, and that's going to change things for this team as well. There's a lot of young potential in this wide receiver room that's going to be fun to watch. And I wouldn't sleep on Funchess either. I wouldn't say he had a dominant camp by any stretch of the means, but he makes the plays that this team has long needed in this offense, if you know what I mean. I mean, he's just that big-bodied, easy target. And for a quarterback like Jacoby walking into this team and leading it anew right now this season – it's going to be really helpful to have a huge target in number 17 in Devin Funches because he's going, to, he's going to offer you an element on the other side that you're going to need sometimes. For first downs, a target in the red zone, that's going to matter. And, and don't forget about 85. I think 85, Eric Ebron is just a tremendous downfield threat. You saw what Frank Reich did with him last year. There's no reason he can't do the same thing this year. If Jacoby can get him the ball, Eric Ebron will produce this year. I guarantee it. And there's always the security blanket in Jack Doyle. So um, the one guy, and, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, is who's the one guy no one's talking about right now? It's the running back. And, and Marlon Mack had a completely healthy preseason, did not play in any games, didn't miss a day of practice. And behind that offensive line, an offensive line, they want to get, you know, I think Ryan Kelly told, Ryan Kelly told me on the first day of camp, they want to get 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Um and, and that's not just Marlon Mack, but he's going to have a huge role in that. Um, Marlon Mack could make Jacoby Brissett's life very a lot easier this fall. Let's just put it that way. I think he has that potential for sure. I, I want to add something on the wide receivers. So with Devin Funches, I think one thing that I think you can look at in terms of explaining why he's here, right? Uh, one of the things this team has struggled with at the receiver position not just last year, but for, I think, several years, is getting off man coverage, okay? That is something we have repeatedly seen to be a problem over and over and over. And teams, when they get really physical, they get in their face, and they play press coverage, this team has issues. Mm-hmm. Now, T.Y. Hilton has has his way of, of, of avoiding that and, and eluding that man coverage, but what they'll do with T.Y. is roll the safety and double him, and they do some things there. When they, man, when they go man coverage against the other guys, they have shown a complete and consistent inability to get off of that coverage. Well, now I give you Devin Funches, who is not the fastest, not the sexiest, not the most athletic but the one thing he can do at 6'4 and 220 plus is he, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. <laughs> he looks like a basketball player. He really does. And, right. and what he'll do is he'll be able to deal with that man coverage. I think when you saw the Colts in training camp, a lot of those, a lot of the, the key plays I look at come in the two minute offense. And one of the things you see in two minute offense is. Uh, you see a lot of tight coverage, right? Because they're trying to trying to get off the field and so forth. And one of the things that I, I noticed there was Devin Funches making tough third down catches and, and those type of plays, those clutch plays, the kinds of plays, frankly, that if you were around in 2015, you'll remember this, that Andre Johnson, I think, was supposed to make. Okay, those are the plays that yeah. I thought Andre Johnson Boy, was gonna going to make. back in time. You remember that? You know, all those balls they threw him in training camp and then we never saw it in the game? <laughs> So I think 
Funches can do that. And it, it we saw it in one game at Houston, but that was about yeah. it. Yeah. So all Funches has to do is really move the chains. That's what he's here for, man. Move the chains and get off of that man coverage, which I think he can do. And but they have such a diversity of options. That's what I love about it. They have such a diversity of options uh within their wide receiver and tight end room that that is only going to to help Frank Reich even more because one of the things we know he loves is to shuffle personnel in and out of the game. And when he does that, what he's looking for is matchups, right? And so depending on what he wants to run and what matchups they're facing, he will sort of dictate that that will dictate the lineups that he uses. And one of the things that this enables him to do is just use, I think such a, a diversity of lineups and route combinations and, and, and just all mm-hmm. these different combinations that I think is going to make him an even better play caller. So very interested. And, and what's one thing Frank said? Are you going to change your playbook? You're moving from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett, a quarterback. And Frank said, no, we're not going to change our playbook. That's interesting to me. He believes Jacoby can make all the reads and all the throws. And we're going to find out if he can. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's the right approach. Uh, I think, the, first of all, the playbook is, is versatile enough that 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 there's enough in there that that they can find stuff that Jacoby is is best at and settle into those right and then secondly I think what it also says is we've got a good offense or excuse me we have a good we have good personnel and there's no reason to change anything first of all I mean Jacoby mm-hmm. Jacoby can make every throw now there are some throws that are not his best but Jacoby can make every throw. I mean, every throw that you expect an NFL quarterback to make, he can make. There's some he doesn't make as consistently, but he can make every throw. So, so I think that's that's basically what Frank Reich is saying there. You know what? This guy can do it. We're not worried about it. And I think they're going to be okay. Uh, let's flip to defense real quick before we wind this down. Uh, I I think mm-hmm. that we – two things we need to see. We need to see a pass rush. and They've, they've got to increase that pass rush get off the field and give this offense opportunities because for all the, the great weapons they have, it won't matter if they don't get off the field. That's number one. Number two, and I'll write about this uh, probably later this week, they got to get turnovers. And not just because Andrew Luck's gone, but because that is the next level. And none other than the defensive master, Tony Dungy, told me a couple weeks ago, that's the next level for this defense. And he authored a defense very similar to this in both in Tampa Bay and in Indianapolis. And he said, you know, when we started taking the ball away, very similar defensive scheme, basically the same principle. He said, when we started taking the ball away, that's when we took people's hearts, you know, and he's right about that. I mean, if you look at the, I know Tony Dungy was gone by the time the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, but that Super Bowl victory with Tony Dungy's players and his defense, the defining image is them taking the ball away from Oakland time and time again. Uh, they basically took their hearts that day. And so. And how do you take the ball yes. away? Yes. You, you get to the quarterback. You harass the quarterback. You un, you know make him uncomfortable. You force him to mistakes. And they've got nine guys on the defensive line. I mean, they've got they've got some talent, and and they've got some they've got they've got talent they can bring in waves. And and Justin Houston is going to change that unit. I think from day one. Um, from game one in, in Sunday in LA, and I think, I think that's that's a, that was a huge emphasis going into this offseason. They they re-signed Marcus Hunt. You know they bring along Kamoko Ture, who who didn't have a great rookie year, but he looks good. He looks he's good dialed in. He looks fast. Yeah, yeah, he he looks dialed in. That's a good way to put it. And and 
Justin Houston, and don't forget about the guy I think who had the best camp of any defensive player, and that's Danico Autry. So um, I'm excited to watch this group because that, like you're right, that's that's sort of the backbone of this defense. If they can get pressure up front, it's a very simple scheme. Go get the quarterback. If they can do that, that's going to help Malik Hooker. That's going to help Darius Leonard. That's going to help the whole team because they're going to be able to do some stuff if that line produces quarterback hits and sacks and, and rushes and all that stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I would say, for the record, I I imagine that Justin Houston is licking his chops. He's had a few games against the Chargers out there in the AFC West. So I think uh, I think he, he and Phillip Rivers know each other quite well. So that should be interesting. He actually had a really good game against them last year. So uh, we'll, we'll see if that continues. Uh, but yeah, on defense, I, I really like... The other thing I would mention before we wrap up on defense is uh, I like the secondary I think it, it it's one of those units, I wrote this over the weekend, I, I don't think nationally anybody knows these guys, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, listen, I don't think Pierre Desir is necessarily a household name, <laughs> okay? I think Pierre Desir would probably tell you. <laughs> the way he shut down DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> the last couple of times. That's him. probably true. Outside of, outside of Indianapolis and Houston, I don't think uh, he's someone who's a household name, and he would probably admit that, right? But... But certainly yeah. he is he's he's been a lockdown corner at times, I think, in the last couple of years. And then you've got, you know, the obviously the contributions of Kenny Moore, which I don't have to tell you about. Just such a versatile player and, and just a timely player, knows for the football. And then Rocky Sin is just I mean, if 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 what we saw in training Stein camp corner. is real. Yeah. And and I, I hesitate because training camp can give you sort of a false picture sometimes, right? So I'll I'll put that possibility out there. But if what we saw was real, it wasn't oof. one good day. It wasn't two good days with Rock. It was every yeah. day he made a play. I mean, it was very, very consistent and a really tough position to be consistent at. I'm buying. I'm buying Rock. And if I'm wrong, I will eat my words in a couple months. I just like the fact that he doesn't wear gloves. He's just he's old school as they come. I mean, <laughs> that's badass. It really is. So anyway, I, and I talked about the back end, uh, Malik Hooker, Clayton Gathers. You know, we mentioned those guys earlier. I think Malik Hooker. They've issued a challenge to Malik Hooker, and he's not shying away from it. And the challenge is, you got to go be the player we drafted you to be this year. He hasn't been a bad player at all. I'm not on. I'm not one of those people criticizing Malik Hooker. I think he's done his job. But they didn't bring him here to just do his job. They brought him here to take the ball away and to be that Ed Reed. Look, they put the Ed Reed label on him. I didn't do it. Chuck Pagano did that, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Pagano did that. Ballard hesitated in his defense. But so, but but the Ohio State people did as well. And so the the point is that's been the point of reference for Malik Hooker. No, is he Malik? Is he Ed Reed? Of course not. No, uh, but does he have that skill set? He does, and that's the type of player he is in terms of how he plays the game. Not in terms of talent, but in terms of how he plays the game. So. I'd like to see it. I think the Colts would too. So we'll see. If he can do that, that changes everything. So, man, we got a lot going on right now. And even and it's not even all about Andrew Luck. So I think this is just a really uh-huh. interesting team. Uh, we'll see what this year brings. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? I think the fans, one last, yeah. thing, one last thing before we call this. I think the fans, as hard as it was to deal with what happened last weekend, I think the fans are genuinely excited for this season. There's a lot of unknown, and and there's a lot of hope in Jacoby Brissett in the situation, and the roster's good, and the coaches are good, and maybe the Colts become a great story in 2019. They've done this kind of thing before where you write them off and they come back and prove you wrong. Um, and, 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 yeah, believe me, the fans are crushed about Andrew Luck. I mean, that hurt them. I believe that. 
But um, it's not like all hope is lost. It, it, I don't see despair in the fans anymore. I mean, maybe on Sunday last week and maybe Monday, but I think from the moment Frank Reich addressed the media last week and sort of addressed fans through the media and told them, like, look, we're not baking, we're not breaking, we're not going to bend, we're not going to bend over, and we're not going to fold this season. I think there is a sense of hope and optimism in this season, and I think the fans are buying in. I think they're find, buying into Brissett, they're buying into Frank Reich, and it's going to be a really interesting season. Because, you know, before Andrew Luck and this all this injury stuff happened, you know, I think we kind of picked them for, what, 10 wins, 11 wins, maybe 12? Yeah, I mean, that was the expectation. Like, there's there's a much wider range. And I think that's interesting to a lot of fans because there's some, so much more unknown. And at some level, that's the fun part about sports is it's, it's great reality TV. You don't know what's going to happen, and, and we'll be there for every step of the way. Yeah, so it's a little bit like last year, Shades of 2018, in terms of this, just sort of the range of possibilities are huge. And that's kind of how we felt one year ago. We thought they'd be decent. Uh, we did not know if they had a playoff run in them, as it turned out they did. This year, the talent's better, but the quarterback situation's unsettled. So there's doubt, but I, I think they have it in them again. So we'll we'll see. It's up to them. But I, I agree with you. It's going to be an interesting year. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So we'll be back later in the week with another podcast. We'll look toward the LA Chargers game, that opener. We'll get to talking to the players and coaches about that here in the next couple of days and bring some of that to you. So that is, that's got the potential to be one riveting opener out there in LA. I think the range of possibilities in that game are endless. So, uh, I'm ready. For I'm game. ready. I don't know about you, but it's been a long six. I want to cover some football. Let's, let's watch a game. <laughs> I want to cover right. some football. Same here. Same here. All right. Well, Hey, that's it for 1% better today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we got breaking news today during the podcast. So Brian Hoyer, now a member of the Indianapolis Colts. I think, Zach, that just goes to show you they're going for it. They're not trying to go out and find just a placeholder. They're, they want it they mm-hmm. the best, and, and is, that's the best you're going to get right now is Brian Hoyer under the circumstances. So the Colts are trying to go for this thing, uh, and they're not here to just sort of pass the time. So hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Stephen Holder, Zach Kiefer. We'll talk to you later this week.